0: Welcome back to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have a a very special item to show you. It's one you've seen before, but it's a little different. Uh, We've pulled this out uh, once again. You may remember this uh, from a few episodes ago, Uh, once a pristine... Mask the likeness of William Shatner's Captain Kirk, oddly spray-painted white. But it seems over the past few episodes, this mask has deteriorated, much like a mask would after 40 years. This, of course, is the mask worn by Michael Myers. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at 2021's Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, the sequel to 2018's Halloween, a David Gordon Green film written by David Gordon Green, uh, Danny McBride, Scott Teams, uh, and the writing team for this go around. And it picks up exactly where 2018's Halloween left off. So we're still in 2018 in this movie's uh, continuity. I've got to say, right off the bat, one of my favorite things about the movie was the opening credits. The music, John Carpenter, uh, along with his son, uh, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies, the son of uh, Dave Davies from the Kinks, were all a part of uh, putting on the music for this movie. And I really enjoyed it because uh, I think it was a good, uh, simple, especially the opening score, very piano-based, and I liked... The idea how they started off with the, the traditional pumpkin and Halloween kills title. And then it kind of went into all the other credits and you saw more pumpkins coming at you. And then they started to become inflamed and we get different levels of pumpkins engulfed in flames. An allusion to where Halloween 2018 left off with Michael Meyer uh, trapped in Lori Strode's basement as the house is engulfed in flames. And that's where we pick up. We've got uh, Laurie Strode played by the incomparable Jamie Lee Curtis along with her daughter Karen played by Judy Greer and her granddaughter Allison. Uh, played by Andy Matichak, as they hitched a ride back to Haddonfield. And as they're, uh, as they're heading back to Haddonfield, uh, hopefully to a hospital, because Lori's got uh, a nasty stomach wound, they see the fire trucks uh, with sirens and lights ablaze heading towards Lori's house, and they're screaming for them, no, let it burn, don't do it, don't put the fire out. And uh, that's kind of where uh, things set off. We'll we'll kind of go into the the scene that really had a lot of people up in arms was the fact that Michael gets out and slaughters all these first responders, and, and I know a lot of people were upset that uh, that he did this to first responders, and first responders are heroes, and and that's that's all good and well. I, I salute all of our first responders. They do God's work. They're doing things that uh, not a lot of people would do. But this is a movie. No one's encouraging anyone to slaughter first responders and in in movies i think uh all bets are off especially horror movies especially slasher films all bets are off everybody has to be a potential victim uh or otherwise there's there's no stakes if if the cop or the firefighter can't be killed in a horror movie then you know the the cop or firefighter all they had to do is go up and kill the bad guy and and bob's your uncle and movie over And it's just that's not realistic. It's not realistic in real life. It's not realistic in a make-believe movie. So I I was. I was fine with the scene. Actually, I was expecting a bigger scene. I expected it to go on longer. Uh, Maybe I'm glad it didn't. I don't think it needed to go on longer, but the way everybody was making such a big deal about this scene where Michael Myers is mowing through these these firefighters, uh, I was expecting more. But we get a really cool flashback in this movie, and it flashes back to the end of Halloween 1978 where we see a young Deputy Hawkins, played by Thomas Mann. And it's really the scene that they set up, the retcon scene, where Will Patton in Halloween 2018 says that he was the share, or he was the deputy there uh when they arrested michael myers around the corner after they found him after the events of halloween 78 and they let that scene play out we see deputy hawkins and uh, another deputy going to the myers house uh, michael's there he attacks the other deputy hawkins has his gun drawn telling michael to let him go uh, he shoots and hits the deputy and kills him. He's upset about that. Uh, Michael leaves and goes downstairs to be confronted by the police department and taken into custody. One thing that I was really surprised by, because I didn't know about this, I didn't know they were going to do this, but they actually had Dr. Loomis make his return to the franchise. Not Donald Pleasance. Although they got a really good... Uh, stand in for him it was actually the film's art director tom jones jr and with some prosthetics and makeup and he kind of had that stocky build uh, of dr loomis really didn't do a bad job of of portraying the the physicalities of Dr. Loomis. I was like, this this can't be one of those Peter Cushing Rogue One sort of scenarios. This has to be this has to be a real guy or stock footage that they've manipulated somehow uh, from previous Halloweens. But no, it was actually another actor. And then they had the voice done by Colin Mahan. And it, it was, it, the voice wasn't quite spot on, like the look, but it, it worked. It worked well enough. You didn't get good long looks at Dr. Loomis. You didn't have time to, to pick out the flaws. But Dr. Loomis is there. And there's a scene where Dr. Loomis is just about to shoot Michael Meyer in the back of the head. And a young Deputy Hawkins... Stops Loomis from doing that, and Will Patton uh, explains in a monologue later in the movie that he saw the he saw the young Michael Myers, and he was somebody's uh, son, and he couldn't let Doctor Loomis do that, <laughs> which just it it just didn't make any sense. Much like a lot of this movie it just didn't make any sense, and it was like. Just giving him a reason, just to give him a reason so it didn't happen and the rest of the movie could play out. And it all seemed a bit silly to me. I did not enjoy that. I I, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done. Uh, Really, this whole, you know, the past two movies uh, didn't need to be done. uh, At least not done in this way. But we'll get into that later on. But we go back to 2018 And we really get to meet some of the other inhabitants of the town, which we probably should have been introduced to in the last movie, but but we were not. We see some familiar faces, or sort of familiar faces. We get to see Tommy Doyle and what he's been up to. Of course, this is not the original Tommy Doyle from 1978, but it's played by Anthony Michael Hall, which looks wise, he looked like he was probably an older version of the kid that played Tommy Doyle. Paul Rudd just didn't seem to have that look that the original kid had. But the problem is I liked the way they wrote the Paul Rudd character as Tommy Doyle better than they did with Anthony Michael Hall in this Halloween and Halloween kills. And that's not a a knock against Anthony Michael Hall. I think he did a great job. I just don't like the way the character was written. And again, we'll kind of get into that later, but we meet him. We meet uh, Lindsay Wallace, the young girl that was with Tommy Doyle being babysat by, by Laurie Strode back in 78. Of course, You've got uh, Kyle Richards uh, reprising her role as as Lindsay Wallace. Marion Chambers, uh, Dr. Loomis' uh, assistant, with Nancy Stevens reprising her role from the 1978. Well, actually, she was in 78, Halloween 2, she was in uh, H2O. Uh, so uh, a long time member of the Halloween family, and it was nice to see her back. Uh, my my problem with that character, though, is they really didn't have anything for her to do. These characters, along with Lonnie, you remember Lonnie from '78. He was the little kid that was constantly picking on Tommy Doyle. Well, he's, he's in this movie uh, played by Robert Longstreet, which I, I love Robert Longstreet. I, I'm always a fan of the way he plays certain types of characters, and he plays a, a grown-up Lonnie Elam, and I didn't not like the character. I liked Robert Longstreet's performance. His character, Lonnie, has become friends with Tommy Doyle, as as will happen sometimes in real life. You know, one kid gets bullied by another, and then the bully and the kid being bullied uh, grow up and put their differences aside and actually become friends. And that's, that's what they do here, and it's believable. I, I don't mind that. I believe that. But the four of them get together every year on Halloween to celebrate surviving Michael Myers, essentially, and we see them at this bar. Uh, we're introduced to an, uh, a couple other characters that uh, we actually got. We were introduced to them in Halloween 2018, uh, but really uh, only briefly. But uh, Vanessa and Marcus, um, their couple, uh, played by uh, Carmela McNeil and Michael Smallwood, and they were an interesting couple. I, I liked what they had in the movie but they really didn't have a whole lot to do in this movie and and didn't last very long there were a couple i really wish we could have got more uh with them uh more into their characters but as characters go in any slasher movie especially halloween movies these days you're just fodder for michael myers and that's really what these characters ended up being Uh, As interesting as they could have been, as much as we could have learned a little more about them, they were essentially fodder for the machine when it was all said and done. But what they did have to do, uh, they did a really good job. You meet all these characters in this bar. They're doing like a talent show night. It really sets in motion one of my least favorite aspects of this movie, because this is still the night Michael Myers has escaped and as Anytime Michael Myers escapes from anywhere, Smith's Grove, there are other patients that are let loose as well. And there's a a member of the the Smith's Grove uh, institution that is released. And we saw him wandering around in Halloween 2018. And he's out. He's a short, stocky bald. He looks like uh, Danny DeVito as the penguin and he's running around and somebody, you know, he ends up getting in the back of Vanessa and Marcus's car. They mistake him for Michael Myers. They run into the bar and Michael Myers mania starts. I think this is really kind of a, a commentary on how quickly things can escalate how quickly the mob mentality can set in, uh, because that's a big theme in this movie. Rightfully so or not, it is a theme in this movie. This is kind of all where it starts. Anthony Michael Hollis' Tommy Doyle grabs the uh, the bar owner's ball bat, called Old Huckleberry. All I can hear is Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday saying, I'm your Huckleberry every time they bring up that stupid bad or every time they show the bad. But uh, he whips people into a frenzy. I think that's where we first hear the line, evil dies tonight. I believe it was Marion Chambers, the Nancy Stevens character that says it first. She says it to Tommy as he's leaving to go take care of business. Uh, But they go out there and and then this chase is on. And this patient from Smith's Grows, we'll call him, takes off. And they're all kind of hunting him down, thinking they're hunting Michael Myers. Now, how you can mistake Michael Myers, who is in this movie being played by James Jude Courtney again. The guy is a monster. (laughs) He's like, what? He's probably he's got to be six four, six five, somewhere around there. Built like a brick shit house. How, how you mistake him for little roly poly old man in a Smiths Grove 90 I, I I don't know. But that's kind of the ridiculousness of the of how this whole thing ensues from from here on out. So they're chasing him down. Lori Strode gets back. You know she's in the hospital, uh, recovering from her wounds. They find out she's she's okay. Deputy Hawkins, who we thought died in the last movie, he is found by Cameron um, Allison's boyfriend from the first movie and son of. Of Lonnie Elam. Cameron finds Deputy Hawkins. He's still alive. He's in the hospital bed right next to Lori. And that's where those two sit for most of the movie. Uh, there really wasn't much for either. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis or Will Patton, two fine actors to do but deliver lines of exposition. And and that's what they did. And they did it expertly as, as two actors of their caliber will and can do. But really, they didn't have much to do in the movie. Another character from the past that we find in the hospitals, Charles Cipher's uh, reprises his role as Lee Brackett, the former sheriff of Haddonfield, father of Annie, who, uh, who was one of the three teens murdered in that uh, original 1978 film. He is now the uh, security officer at the hospital. So he shows up again, and one of the. <laughs> I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. In a, in a movie that was just chock full of one-line, headline, bits of dialogue, Evil Dies Tonight, uh, he reprises his role from Halloween 78 and says the line, everybody deserves one good scare. I liked it in 78. I didn't like it here because it just felt like fan service. It's like, oh, here here's a line, and he said this in the other one. So, that's cool, isn't it? I just... And then there again, uh, one of the many problems with this film. But then the rest of the movie is pretty much tommy doyle whipping everyone into a frenzy creating this mob to go chase down michael myers and for the better part of the movie it's not even michael myers they're chasing it's this this patient from smith's grove who they finally corner judy greer uh thanks to jamie lee curtis knows that's not michael and their big thing is oh he he always wears a mask how do we know what he looks like under the mask well, the guy is a giant. He's a monster. And this is a little roly poly dude. It didn't make sense. It was doing things and saying you're doing them just to, to do something. And that's one of the biggest problems I had. One of the many biggest problems I've had. You're going to hear me say that a lot during this review, if you want to call it that. But Judy Greer is trying to get everyone to stop. Everybody gets caught up in the whole madness of this mob. Omar Dorsey, he's back as Sheriff Barker. He gets kind of caught up. I, I find it odd. He's always wearing a cowboy hat. And I didn't know Haddonfield, Illinois had a big cowboy population, (laughs) but his character... Here, there again, another actor who does a great job. It's just very odd little things like the cowboy hat. It's almost like he was just wearing the cowboy hat to get to this point where he joins the mob... And the cowboy hat flies off to show that, you know, he's no longer sheriff and, and he's a part of the mob. And and then when he's done, him sitting on the steps, looking at the trampled cowboy hat and realizing what he had done. Because they corner this uh, Smith's Grove patient and he ends up jumping out of the, uh, I don't know, was a third story window and, and dying And it was a gruesome, it was a gruesome death. They love a good skull smashing in the David Gordon Green camp. And that was probably one of the the more disgusting uh, skull smashings. Then they turn their attention, realize, hey, you know what? We we didn't chase down the real Michael Myers. Uh, The real Michael Myers is out there. Let's start chasing him down. They break off into little groups going to look for for Michael. You've got uh, Lonnie, Tommy Doyle, Allison, and Cameron. They all kind of go off as a, as a little bit of a group. You've got Marcus and Vanessa along with Marion Chambers and Lindsay Wallace. They kind of go off into a group. We're introduced to a couple other uh, characters. It, it was kind of odd. It's this gay couple that have moved into the Myers house and they fixed it up. And, you know, Myers house has always been dilapidated in every other Halloween movie. Well, they fixed it up. It looks nice. They're living there. Uh, but they call each other Big John and Little John. And it's it's really awkward and odd. But they're dealing with these little asshole kids. Uh, these three kids that are running around in Halloween masks from Halloween 3, The Witch, The Skull, and The Pumpkin. And they steal all their Halloween candy. And it's just this little... There again, it's just setting up fodder. Trying to give you a reason to care about characters when you don't really. Because you're not given enough time to care about them or enough reason. Like I, I did not care about these little kids at all. I am not a big fan of of killing kids in uh in a horror movie I think it's it's cheap emotion if it's done right it, it can it can have some weight and some shock value but I don't really care for that but these kids I would have made an exception for I wanted Michael Myers to kill them and and he ends up killing one of them Because in a scene where uh, the one kid's gone, the other two are sitting eating their candy. Marion Chambers and Lindsay Wallace and Vanessa and Marcus show up and tell them to to scram because Michael Myers is coming. Lindsay's telling them this. Uh, They see Michael Myers. It's the scene from the uh, trailer where they said this guy in a white mask has been trying to play hide and seek with us. Michael's got the uh, the kid with the skull mask's head in his hand. I'm assuming his head was in that mask. Uh, at least I like to think. Like I said, those those kids were little a-holes, and I didn't mind seeing them get their comeuppance, but Michael Myers just takes out the, the whole group. Marion Chambers, her death was, was relatively tame. She just got stabbed. Marcus caught A knife through the eye mall which was just uh one of the more disgusting kills in the movie the vanessa kill i thought was stupid it was i think it was played for laughs uh she's got a gun because lonnie elam has uh, an arsenal on the back of his car and was handing out guns to everybody she comes at michael with this gun he's inside the the vehicle they've been traveling in he kicks the door, the door hits the gun, it turns the gun around on her, and she pulls the trigger and shoots herself. It was just one of the stupidest things I have seen in a Halloween movie. And Halloween has been known for having some stupid things in it. I just thought it was it, it was horrible. Again, there was too much in this movie played for laughs. And I don't mind a little comedy where where it fits. But when you're doing comedy bits in the middle of what should be something very scary, uh, again, it takes you out of the movie and I can't understand why people don't understand that, why these directors, why these screenwriters don't understand that. I get that. You've got Danny McBride, who's Johnny Comedy. Uh, You've got David Gordon Green, who comes from that comedy world. But Jesus Christ, you're doing a Halloween movie. At least try to make something scary without putting in stupid Keystone Cops jokes in it. Uh, that just uh, that that annoyed me. Now I, I say that to say they did lead to one of the scarier moments in the movie, where Michael is chasing Lindsay Wallace. Uh, through the woods and you get this scene it was almost kind of like lord of the rings where all the hobbits are hiding uh in amongst the tree roots and you get the ring wraith looking for them it was kind of it was kind of a ripoff of that scene You got Lindsay Wallace down in the tree roots, breathing very heavy. Everybody breathes very heavy in this movie, and I don't know how Michael didn't hear it. Maybe he couldn't hear it over the sound of his own heavy breathing inside that mask, but he goes walking off and leaves her, which I really thought Lindsay Wallace was going to buy it in this movie, and as far as I remember... Uh, I saw this yesterday, uh, only the one time. I, I would have liked to have seen it again before doing this, but uh, I, I don't want to spend the money to, to go see this again. But uh, but Lindsay Wallace, she actually survives this whole thing, which I, I thought was kind of interesting because I, I really wanted the Marion Chambers to really have more agency in this movie. Uh, she really was just there to say, Hi, remember me from the other movies? There was no reason for her to be there. And they really could have done something. Not that I want to see a new Dr. Loomis, because I think that's that's silly. It almost feels like they tried to do that with the Dr. Sartan character from the last Halloween movie. If you wanted somebody to pick up that mantle of having the obsession over Michael Myers, if there's anyone other than Dr. Loomis and Laurie to to do that, you would think it would be the Marion Chambers character. You know, she's been Doctor Loomis's assistant. She knows everything about Michael. She knows what Michael can do. Now, granted, in this iteration of Halloween, Michael only has what happened in the original 1978 movie to his credit. So, which is a it was a big problem I have, which we'll talk about later, kind of once we get through uh, the different characters and some of the some of the bigger plot points of the movie. But yeah, they, they spend the rest of the time uh, working up the mob again. I heard Evil Dies Tonight, and I knew when I saw in the trailer the crowd chanting Evil Dies Tonight. I'm like, ah, oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. And, and it really was that bad. It, it was like they were trying to make some point about mob mentality. I don't know if they were trying to make a point in regards to the riots we had last summer with BLM. Uh, I don't know if it was a point they were trying to make with the riot at the Capitol building back in January, or just riots in general, how easy it is to whip people into a frenzy, how easy it is for for people who have better sense, like the Sheriff Barker character, people that know better, but just get caught up in the frenzy of, of mob mentality. Uh, I don't know what point they were trying to make with this because one, it wasn't very clear. And and two, it served no purpose. And the line, evil dies tonight, just being spouted by like every other person, uh, especially Tommy Doyle. My God, I, I like Anthony Michael Hall as an actor. And I thought he did a good job with what he was given. I just think the Tommy Doyle character was horribly written. And I didn't enjoy it at all. Do you ever watch The Office? That scene in the Conflict Resolution episode, I believe it was season two, where Michael has all of these notes where people have, have filed complaints about other employees. And there's this big long laundry list of complaints by Dwight about Jim. And Michael's not wanting to deal with it. And Dwight is trying to get Jim to t- transfer. And he's trying to... To rally the office into chanting transfer and he's he's looking around everybody transfer 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 that's how I felt the Anthony Michael Hall Tommy Doyle character was the whole movie It, it was like Dwight Schrute trying to rally the troops to get Jim to transfer and it just I know it wasn't played for laughs but I couldn't help but laugh because it just was so ridiculous and ham-fisted and it just was stupid. I have no better way to describe it. There's just... It was stupid, and the crowds chanting evil dies tonight for reasons that, uh, again, I'll, I'll talk about later why none of this makes sense. But then you have Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison. Uh, they decide, thanks to the brilliant detective work of Lonnie, that he's making a beeline. He, he's the only person in Badenfield the only person in 2021 that keeps a paper map anywhere, and he's plotted where Michael's sightings have been, and he's making a beeline to the myers house and i believe we get uh, some some dialogue from deputy hawkins where that's that's now the retconned thing for him michael's not after lori the only reason he went to lori's house is because dr sartan took him there michael kills and then he goes home and that's the new retcon reason why Michael does what he does. Of course, Myers comes back to his childhood home and uh, that didn't bode well for Big John and Little John. Big John had his uh, eyeballs crushed uh, kind of the way the uh, cyborgs did it in Halloween 3. He, he kind of got that sort of treatment. Uh, Little John had probably one of the stupidest lines. Uh, he sees his lover lying on the floor dead eyeballs gouged out and he sees michael standing there off screen and he looks at michael and says you came home it's lines just to say lines lines just to to give a headline and lines just to sound cool lines that are, are akin to a twitter post and it just didn't make any sense you know his, his. I don't know what their relationship is—boyfriend, husband, lover—is uh, lying there dead, and that's all they give that character. And anyway, he gets killed. Uh, then you have Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison show up. Lonnie gets killed off screen. He goes in first, leaves the kids outside—very responsible thing for Lonnie to do. Uh, but he gets killed off screen, and I, I, I hate off screen kills in a slasher film, especially with one of the principal characters. If not, if not a principal, uh, a secondary character. And it just, it's lazy to me. The kids go inside, Cameron ends up getting got. You know, it, it's one of those characters that we thought he was kind of a douchebag from the first one. It kind of seemed like he was cheating, but turned out to to not be, turned out to be an all right kid. And he didn't deserve that. But that's the good thing about horror movies. I hate it when a horror movie, uh, the only people that get killed are the people that ask for it. The people that are assholes or, or douchebags or whatever. When decent people get killed, that's what raises the stakes for me. Allison also confronts Michael inside the Myers house. Uh, she gets pushed down the stairs. Uh, it it was kind of a mirror I felt to Lori getting pushed down the Wallace, the stairs in the Wallace house in 78. And, but Allison breaks her, her ankle. Uh, it sounded horrible, looked horrible as well. She's confronted by Michael. She's lying there. He's about to, to do her in and Judy Greer shows up. Mom shows up to save the day. Uh, somehow comes across a pitchfork. I don't know if that is a veiled reference to the party scene in Halloween Five, but but she stabs Michael in the back with a pitchfork and steals his mask and leads a maskless Michael back through these alleys to a street. And this was one of the few really cool things I thought they did. Uh, of course, Michael without a mask is just uh, its a horrible thing to do. Uh, it, it never looks good. But I liked what they did with some of the lighting of this movie. And Michael not having a mask on, you never really get a good look at his face. Uh, usually everything's out of focus or, or pulled back. But they did some really good shots where he's backlit. So all you get is a silhouette and, or he's lit from the front and you get a silhouette from the back. And it really kind of played into Michael being the shape. That was probably one of the cooler shots uh, of the movie, I thought. Playing off Michael being the shape. Because he certainly wasn't the boogeyman. Because he didn't scare anybody in this, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. And again, we'll we'll talk about that later. But Judy Greer leads him to uh, a street that's blocked off. Michael's in the middle. Some other cars pull in and you've got a small mob, if you will, led by Anthony Michael Hall's Tommy Doyle. And they surround Michael and they're beating him with hockey sticks and baseball bats and shooting him. And they flash back to some of his other kills and trying to give the townspeople a reason to be so enraged by by Michael when they really haven't been invested until they're whipped into a mob frenzy. Again, I'll I'll explain where I'm going with that later. But uh, they seemingly kill Michael. He's laying there, lifeless. Judy Greer's off uh, to the the Myers house to, to comfort her daughter. And I believe Lindsay Wallace is there as well. And we get this monologue from Jamie Lee Curtis, where she's talking about Michael is, with every kill, he transcends. And essentially... They've been playing that Michael is just a regular guy since the reboot. They're playing like Michael was a regular guy in, in Halloween 78. Uh, they were continuing that uh, playing that Michael was just a regular guy in 2018. And he's still just a regular guy, sort of, in, in Halloween Kills. But now she's given a reason why he could survive gunshots and, and being uh, sensibly killed. And it's because he transcends. Uh, what does that even mean? And she says that's the, that's the true curse of Michael Myers. A call back to the Halloween 6 title, Curse of Michael Myers. Michael gets back up and he slaughters the whole group, including Tommy Doyle. Which, I, under other circumstances, I would have liked that character to survive to Halloween ends. But just the way they wrote him, I just didn't care. Uh, he was annoying. He was, he was that, that dickhead that's always whipping people into a frenzy over politics on facebook and, and just annoying the bejesus out of you with the uh, stupid little one-liners that he heard from his favorite uh, 24-hour news source so I I didn't care that they killed off Tommy Toil. We see what's going on at the Myers house, you know, the next block over. And Judy Greer looks up into uh, the Myers house, a window and sees an image of Michael Myers as a kid. She goes up into the room and then bang, Michael Myers is there and kills her. I'm assuming he killed her. I mean, there were multiple (laughs) stabs. and uh, i'm assuming she is dead i don't think we ever really got any confirmation of that Uh, i thought deputy hawkins was dead after the last one and he turned out not to be so uh, we'll find out in the the next halloween but that's that's where it ended and that leads us into halloween ends which is going to take place next year in october And find out uh, what holds for the rest of the franchise, what holds for Michael Myers. But this film, the thing I really did not like about this is that it's got mixed messages. You've got the mixed message of, okay, Michael Myers committed three murders, murdered three teens back in 1978. And we're supposed to believe that 40 years later, Laurie Strode is still preparing for Michael Myers to come back with no real reason to think Michael Myers would come back. You know, we haven't had Halloween 2, 4, 5, 6, haven't had any of those other films where Michael Myers is known to come back. Tommy Doyle had a reason in Halloween 6 to fear Michael Myers coming back because Michael Myers has come back. Uh, It's been established that Michael Myers comes back and, and there's a real reason for Tommy Doyle's obsession and, and fear of Michael Myers coming back. In this, it's been 40 years. For all they know, Michael Myers has rotted away in some mental institution and is a decrepit old man that will never see the light of day again. There's no reason for Lori Strode to think that, oh, Michael Myers, it's only a matter of time before Michael Myers gets out, even after 40 years later. What if it had been 50 years later, 60 years? You know, it's there's no reason for her to think that this was going to happen. That was my biggest problem with part one of this trilogy of David Gordon Green Halloween films. Where you get into this movie and you've got characters like Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace, Marion Chambers, Lonnie Elam, who remember it like it was yesterday. But apparently nobody else in the town does. Tommy Doyle gets up on the stage and does this little story where he talks about what happened in 78. And he asked everybody if they remember Michael Myers. And like, nobody does. Very few people seem to remember in Halloween 2018. So, we're supposed to pretend like this this town has just been living in perpetual fear of Michael Myers for the past forty years, but nobody seems to remember him. Nobody remembers what happened in 1978. But then all of a sudden, they get so easily whipped into a frenzy, like they remember it, like it was yesterday. Just like, uh, just like Tommy Doyle, that you know, they're they're chanting "Evil dies tonight" in the streets when you know they just established that nobody remembers now granted that may be a commentary on the ease of whipping people into a frenzy i don't know if that was on purpose but it just none of it really made any sense as you know it wasn't logical it'd be one thing if if michael had come back a couple times since the events of 78 and people were always on edge when, you know, is Michael going to be back? What happened to the body the last time? You know, that sort of thing. If there was a precedence, but it's been 40 years and nobody remembers it. And the principal players have not gotten any sort of of psychological help to to deal with the trauma. And that's that was a big thing with this movie. They were dealing a lot with trauma. I did like the fact that they showed uh, Ray who is Allison's father and Karen's husband? Uh, died in Halloween 2018, played by the great uh, Toby Huss. I love Toby Huss, but uh, we get to see Judy Greer as Karen. You get to see her having that moment where she gets to sit down and grieve the loss of her husband, which you don't really get that a lot in horror films. So that was nice. You know, you get to get to see her dealing with her trauma on a micro level, but processing it at the very least all the same. You've got these characters that are so stunted by the events of 40 years ago that none of them, it doesn't seem like any of them have really dealt with their trauma. Uh, you've got Lonnie who they they retcon this whole run-in with Michael Myers in 78. That was a part of the flashback that they did um they retconned this this incident where lonnie was bullied so that's why he was a bully because you know you can't nobody can be a bully because they're just a dickhead uh there's got to be a reason why they're a bully and it's usually because somebody else bullied them that was the whole thing behind the rob zombie halloween's michael myers uh kills people because he was bullied and people were mean to him and that there's nothing i hate worse than that bullying's not right and and people can be affected by by bullies but just because somebody bullies you that that doesn't mean that you have to become a bully that's everybody's got a choice to make in their life but anyway i'm not going to get on that soapbox but uh they've got you know him having this run in with michael myers in front of the myers house uh where he was had this the shit scared out of him, <laughs> for for lack of a better term, and this traumatized him, and he's dealing with that and hasn't hasn't processed it. You've got the sheriff Brackett; his daughter was killed by Michael Myers. If anybody should be emotionally stunted or or suffering from the the trauma of what Michael Myers did in 1978, it should be him. But they don't even you know he's a functioning member of society. He's working, you know. Uh, probably well into his retirement as security at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. And it wasn't very cohesive and who remembered what Michael Myers did 40 years ago and who didn't. And it was just very selective as to who was traumatized and who wasn't. And it all hinged on what made the story move forward and what didn't. And I just, I, I just hated that lack of cohesiveness as to who was affected in this town and who wasn't, and the times where the town was only effective when they wanted to whip people into a mob. And for, for nobody remembering what happened 40 years ago, if I had to hear them mention uh, what Michael did 40 years ago, they talked about 40 years ago just about as much as they said, evil dies tonight, which was just, uh, it was a bit on the annoying side. It was I felt like uh, somebody was beating me over the head with with all of this with just these lines and just made it so i I felt annoyed through most of the movie another one of my big problems with this movie was michael myers himself not the portrayal of michael myers because i think uh james jude courtney does a great job as as Michael Myers. He's got the mannerisms down. He's got the the movements down. I, I liked in this that you know Michael Myers is very slow and and methodical in his his chasing people and and the walk. Uh, but then when he needs to he can move like a cobra. Just snap and strike. That's how Michael was in the first one. So I didn't mind that. Uh, the problem I had was the way they shot Michael. It wasn't a patient movie at all. If anything, this movie didn't lack for excitement and it didn't lack for action. And then that's probably part of the problem is it felt more like an action movie than it did in a horror movie. There was just no patience whatsoever with this movie. Every time you saw Michael, he was smashing somebody's head into something. There were no shots like the original one where you see Michael and he's just watching Laurie as she's walking away. There's no shots of him just kind of sitting there, tilting his head, admiring what he had done to Bob. Uh, There was nothing like that. Just every time you saw Michael, he was killing somebody. Michael is so known for the the kitchen knife, uh, the chef's knife, as his weapon of choice. But in this, and and granted, uh, that's kind of canon to the first one. He didn't use the chef's knife all the time. You know, he strangled Linda with the telephone cord. He strangled... Annie with his hands. I think he did use a knife eventually on her, but but it was mostly strangulation. Uh, but so so I I don't I don't mind that. But just uh, every time you saw Michael, he was killing somebody, and it didn't give you time to be creeped out by him. It didn't have to give you time to be scared by him. Another thing was the sound design uh, of this movie. Every time somebody knocked on the door, it sounded like they were hitting it with a battering ram. It was just like bang 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 bang. I'm like nobody. Nobody knocks like that except sociopaths. Also, the the anytime there was any blood or stabbings, just the every every cut sounded so wet and squishy and disgusting. I mean, and that's that's all good and well. I don't mind that, but it just felt like overkill. Like they were trying to amp up all of these sound effects. I, I don't know. I, it didn't make the movie better. Certainly didn't make the movie better. Didn't make it scarier. And I wish the 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 sound effects, they would just dial it back and be a little more subtle with it. A little more real. Footfalls from Michael just sounded heavy. And, you know, he's a big guy. I get that. James Jude Courtney. But he doesn't need to sound like he's wearing smint shoes. And then just continuing with the nostalgia trip. Uh, you know, everything seemed to be a callback to something. Uh, Lori spending the whole time practically catatonic and Haddonfield Memorial Hospital callback to, to Halloween 2 uh, the her line about uh, the curse of Michael Myers Halloween 6 you had the masks from Halloween three you had A- Allison falling down the stairs like Lori did in in 78 you just had all these these callbacks and uh, you had all these characters from the original Halloween it just it, it's nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. That's all good and wow. That's fun. But there again, we've had two movies worth of the nostalgia trip. And I know. I I get it. Millennials are big into nostalgia, but there's there's some of us that uh, that really love this movie franchise that were alive when it first started. That that want to see something new. We want to see the the story continue without having to be constantly reminded of the other movies because we saw those we've been watching those for the past 40 years i don't need to be reminded of them i want to see something new and and that was another big problem i had with this movie now don't let it be said that i hated this movie uh, i mean hate's a strong word i i don't hate very many things i i didn't like this movie i didn't care for the movie um i'm the kind of guy who will see things through so i watched the movie Even though I had a great fear of what it was going to be. And it was everything I I was afraid it was going to be. Um, I'm going to watch Halloween's End because you know it's just the kind of guy I am. I I want to talk about it here. And I've seen the other two movies in this this bit of a trilogy. I'll see it through to the end. But, But it did have some good points. I mean, the acting was really good. Jamie Lee Curtis and Will Patton are two veteran quality actors. Judy Greer is a fine actor. Uh, I really like the, the Andy Matichak. I wish they had a little more with her, gave her a little more something to do that, I mean, she did a lot, but it just didn't seem like it had any gravity to it in this. Robert Longstreet was really good in it. I, I like Robert Longstreet in a lot of things he's in. Anthony Michael Hall, again, he did a great job with Tommy Doyle for what they gave him to do. Kyle Richards, I, I've seen the whole reality show bit, with her and that's not my bag. Uh, So I was, I was a little worried, but I think she did a great job with uh, Lindsay Wallace and I'm excited to to see her come back for the next one. You know, everybody really did a good job. They had a lot of good actors. And like I said, uh, I, I like James Jude Courtney's Michael Myers. I'm excited to see that again. I just don't think the screenplay was good. It wasn't enjoyable. It was, and it's not even plot holes. You know, I'm all about suspension of disbelief, but when just things just don't make sense, you've got people doing things for reasons that don't make sense. Uh, I don't care if there's a little bit of a plot hole. It just has to make some semblance of sense. And, And therein lies my problem with this whole reboot of the series is that it doesn't make sense because they've wanted to do this thing kind of like the Rob zombie bit where Michael Myers is just a guy when it was established in part one in 78 that Michael Myers is more than just a guy but they've they've banked on that with the first one and I don't know whether it was a deal where they they realized that some of the the hardcore fans some of the some of the longtime fans, who like two, four, five, six, even H2O and and, and whatnot don't like the fact that, that Michael Myers, they, they want to make Michael Myers just a guy. They've kind of hedged their bet on that now, and they're starting to try and make him into to more than just a man, but they're doing it in such an awkward way. I just don't understand the whole he transcends, at least with the Mark of Thorn. It was some reason the whole Sam Thane thing was. With some reason. I think they tried to explain it a little too much in part six. That was unnecessary. But if you give me a reason to just say it's this curse, it's this mark he has, and legend has it that this happens when you've got that, that I'd be fine with that. I don't need a, a cult of thorn. I don't need Dr. Wynn being Michael's caretaker. Uh, I think they went a little too far in trying to explain Michael Myers in 5 and 6. But I liked where they were going with it. I thought it was a good idea, just not well done at all. And and this, there's not even an idea there. Just this sense that, oh, Michael transcends. Well, well, why? Because that's just a word. That's just saying things. And just because you say something doesn't make it so. That's a big problem I've had with this reboot from the beginning. I don't like the idea that Michael Myers is just a man. Because like I said, if I want to watch some dude stalking women, I'll just go watch a Lifetime movie. And I don't want to do that. So, I like my slasher movies to have some semblance of the supernatural. I like my horror movies to have some semblance of the supernatural. Because if it's just based in the real world, uh, we get that shit every day on the news. And I don't want to watch the news. I want to watch a horror movie. I want to watch something with a supernatural twist. I want to watch something that leaves me guessing. It makes me wonder. gives me something to chew on. gives me something to think about. Why is this happening? And then slowly kind of gives me some of those pieces of the puzzle. I like things like that. This isn't giving me any pieces of any puzzle. This is just telling me, uh, the picture on the puzzle has got some blue in it. And that doesn't tell me anything at all. So I'm interested to see where this is going to end. You know, the, the next one is called uh, Halloween Ends. It, it took everything out of that last scene where the mob surrounds Michael and conceivably kills him. Uh, we, we knew the next movie was coming out next year, so you knew he wasn't dead. And it's Michael Myers, so you knew he wasn't dead. It just really uh, made that whole scene kind of just a, a scene to to fill some time in the movie. Where are they going to go with this? I don't know. Is it going to be the end of the franchise? Is it going to be the end of Michael Myers or Laurie or both? Uh, I know Jamie Lee Curtis has come out on the record and saying that the Halloween ends is going to piss people off, which I I don't know if it could piss people off any more than this movie already has. I mean, there's some people that just absolutely love this movie. I I was uh, reading a comment from a guy on this one horror movie Facebook group And he was like, I love this movie. All I want to see is Michael Myers killing people and gore. And I'm like, well, if if that's what you're looking for, this did have Michael Myers killing people and did have gore. But if that's the case, then you must have hated the original Halloween because Michael Myers only killed three people and there was virtually no gore in that first movie. So you must have hated that. And probably became a fan of the franchise during the Rob Zombie movies. Because Michael Myers in these movies feels more like the Rob Zombie Myers. Uh, Just very heavy and violent and larger than life. And every movement uh, of killing somebody is not precision. It's banging people's heads against the wall. And after a while, that just becomes, you get weary of it. I don't need the ultra violence. Not that I'm averse to that. I don't mind that, but that's not Michael Myers. I mean, Michael Myers has some very violent scenes. I mean, the scene where he kills Bob, the way he stabs him and lifts him up, stabs him, in. it's very, it's very violent in in a short and small burst as it is. It, it is violent and hard and heavy scene, and then it goes from that violence to him stepping back and just kind of tilting his head and seeing what he's done. That's the beauty of John Carpenter's Halloween. And you don't get any of that that nuance. You don't get any of that subtlety. You don't get any of that juxtaposition in this. It's just all violence and all every time you see Michael Myers he's slamming somebody's head this is supposed to be a horror movie this is supposed to be scary and violence does not equal scary violence doesn't always equal horror it definitely doesn't equal scary and that's what this movie sorely lacked it was not a scary movie it was violent sure it was gory sure but it wasn't a scary movie so i'm expecting much of the much of the same in in Halloween ends, I'm expecting to be unsatisfied with how this ends. I hope to be surprised. I hope that they they do something that is going to make me say this was all worth it, having the franchise rebooted again. But I don't expect it. My expectations are are low to begin with on these uh, after the Halloween 2018. And I, I, I hear a lot of people on on Facebook groups and whatnot saying, oh, you have to, your expectations are too high. No, my expectations weren't high at all. Uh, I know what Michael Myers should be. I know what the Halloween movie should be. I, you know, I've lived the 78 Halloween for the past, you know, 40 years uh, of my life. So, so I know what Halloween should be. And this, just it, it's not Halloween to me. Uh, now i'll sit there and watch it because it's michael myers and it is halloween and it's laurie strode played by jamie lee curtis and and i enjoy that and i i want i i want so much to enjoy these movies and i i didn't hate this movie like i said uh, i just didn't like it so I, i'm expecting the same out of the next one like i said hopefully i will be surprised uh but we'll see what uh what happens uh next year next october so looking forward to that next year and when we when we come around to that uh lord willing we're all here Uh, i will talk about that movie and kind of do a a wrap-up of the david gordon green trilogy of halloween movies if it is just going to be the trilogy uh who knows they may may decide that they're going to keep going uh, Malik Akkad, I don't think he has the love of Michael Myers that his father Mustafa had. Or or I should say, I don't think he has the love of the money Michael Myers <laughs> brings in that his father had. So I don't know if he is as emotionally invested in keeping Michael Myers around. I think probably working with Jason Blum, he realizes there's some other avenues in horror that maybe he could go down and be part of the producing team on. I don't know. We'll have to see. I know there has been talk. Uh, Jason Blum has come out and said that he'd like to do a sequel to Halloween Three, which I think is interesting. I don't think it's necessary, but I do think it's interesting to see what happened to that world after the events of Halloween Three. So we'll we'll see where the where the franchise goes from here. But we've gotta we got one more movie to get through, and uh, we'll talk about that. If I don't talk about Halloween in between here and there, which it's a good possibility I might. But uh, we'll definitely talk about this this franchise and these, uh, these three movies of David Gordon Green wrapping up this time next year. Check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, on Facebook for everything that's going on. All our latest podcasts, always posting trailers and news uh, from other sites that I find. And try to keep you updated on some of the cool movies out there and, and books and TV shows, whether it's horror, fantasy, or sci-fi. So uh, check that out. Uh, leave a review. Five stars will be awesome. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to me uh, wax uh, nostalgic or intellectual or just wax whatever on, on Halloween and Michael Myers. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop.